get accustomed to that state of pure attention, pure awareness, so that it's not you're not giving all your attention to your defilements and your all your ideas and conditions, but you're beginning to really recognize when there's no self, when there's no grasping. It's like this. Uh, it's like it's like you know I've, I've contemplated that for years. Just when my mind is like this, you know, there's there's intention, there, there's intelligence. There's no self, no grasping, no suffering. <laughs> so, so then, uh, through that, then, you, then, then, but that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, with people, the personality view is so strong in people that they're always there's a basic assumption that you are. Uh, that you are a real person who's got real problems, and that that you've got to do a lot of hard work and practice in order to get solve these problems, get rid of these defilements, and realize nirvana. And then also sometimes, maybe not all that conscious, but it's kind of underlying. You know, it's a kind of kind of thing that oftentimes we assume, even though we know we seldom. Not even consciously say that, but what the Buddha is saying is that that that, that assumption is impermanent and not to, and it's not self. So, yes, you know, as you're just using attention and mindfulness and reflecting on it, then you're beginning to realize. When your mind is, when there's grasping, when there's no grasping, when there's suffering, when there isn't, when there's self, when there's no self. And you have to trust yourself in this, you know, trust your own ability to know. Because it's only you can know, you can't, you know, I can, I can tell you this much, but I can't do any more to someone else. Uh, nirvana tends to be like an attainment. It's oftentimes spoken of as an attainment. But uh, it's not an attainment, it's a realization. <laughs> you know, you don't attain it. You suddenly awaken and see and realize non grasping, non suffering like this. And so Buddha does pointed this out. But then you've got very strong views against that. Buddha Dasa can be it's controversial. But uh, but to me that, that as far as practice and, and experience, I, I couldn't uh, I I agree with Buddha Dasa. I'm not saying oh I've realized nibbana or anything like that. That doesn't make sense to think around putting it in terms of that I have um, realized uh, I've seen Nibbana because then it that is uh, coming from a 
a sense of I am a person who's who's attained something or done something special that that I'm trying to uh, kind of promote. But say uh, that. Uh, but in terms of, of practice, that that uh, it's like nibbana, niroda, viraga, anatta, sunyata. These are these are the kind of strange words of Buddhism, and and they're they're quite natural states. They're not they're not like created or refined. But it, they're not, they're, they're subtle. The fact like, you know, when you're caught up in the conditioning of your mind and your emotional habits and you just, you just never know this. You just, like, like when you think, what, what do you think? When you think one thought goes on to the next. Yeah. Just, then it goes on and on and on. And, and uh, you know, you might start out thinking about, about what you've got to do uh, uh, before, uh, the meal, and then and then it'll go on into something else, and, and it just pretty soon we have, have nothing to do with what you originally thought. And because it just this one, we used to play a game as a child, you know, where you, one person would say something, the next one, and, or you know, we'd say we'd whisper something. By the time it got around back to the original one, it had completely changed in its meaning, and so they. The uh, thinking mind is, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's just the, the samsara. You just you just go from this to this, and then you find yourself back again, and then you go around and around. And then the, the liberated mind is a ten is a is like where the where there's just a pure attention, pure awareness, and then. It's like to apprehend the point of intersection of the timeless with time. I'd like to think this is now and this this comic formation here, this, this human form or conscious form is is that point of intersection or the axis mundi. It's just like where the where in it's also that in a, because of the the human <coughs> human Condition, we we can both we can become worldly, we can become like animals, we can become like devils, we can become demonic. We can we can go through all the different realms of existence just by thinking. You know, just thinking thoughts that animals think, or 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 act, or just follow basic instincts like like. Uh, uh, you know, sexual uh, feelings or, or hunger and survival, anger. But, um, and then um, we can become demonic just by starting thinking demonic thoughts. You find you, you, you start um, becoming like that. You know, you can become angelic. <laughs> but uh, the human birth is the. Is the one where you can actually realize the point of intersection, where you can realize the dawn or the timeless, while you still, while the, the body's still living, breathing, and conscious. So then you contemplate. Well, 
that can only be now. And then just that point, that pause, and that attention. So when you die, bring that attention, then you go to Hidara. Suppose like now you pause, you are in the emptiness, and you just collapse. That you go to Hidara? I'll find out when I die. <laughs> because when, you leave when I die, I'll come back and tell you. See <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if you get scared and see my ghost. <laughs> Because the, the last minute, the last second of your life, depends on the moment. Well, I mean, just contemplate if, if you develop this awareness before you die, then the then you're already realizing the deathless. So that that by the time the body is ready to die, it's not, there's no problem. Like it's just. Just a body dying, but there's nobody, nobody dying. It's just the body reaching its end. So, so like like the, when the Buddha uh, died, you know, that was it's just his body dying. You know, it wasn't like uh, he he'd already there wasn't anybody there, but there was pure. There was purity, there was wisdom, and we call it Buddha, but it wasn't a person. It wasn't like a Sakyaditi or a, or a conditioned thing that, that was present uh, in the Buddha's, you know, when he was dying. There was, I'm, I'm just assuming this, but, you know, if you carry the logic uh, through, then... Uh, you know, then you realize it. That uh, if if you if you realize the deathless, and then more and more you you find you incline to that. Like once you start recognizing that, you you kind of I feel a strong pull and, and interest and and uh, inclination, and uh, so it. So it, because it's um, because you just realize how how uh, the, the material world, the conditioned realm, is is uh, not to take it. You just you know just if you get interested in the conditioned realm, it just end up with some form of suffering through it. Uh, and this is a uh, why point. <laughs> so you. Yeah, but you're not you're not uh, rejecting the conditioned realm, but you're you're recognizing it for what it really is. Emotionally, I found it it's taken quite a while to the emotions are are conditioned through the ignorance. So so that you know the. Like I said before, when I first had an insight into into uh, 
the unconditioned, my emotions like I, I collapsed in a heap of weeping and feeling I couldn't do it. And emotionally, we're, we're you know we're conditioned for the world, and uh, so in, that's why you can't trust your emotional reaction. And sometimes you know you, you know, they'll be saying, "I want to live. I want to go out and have fun. I want to." have relationships and I want to you know say all kinds of things like that you know I want to live I want to be happy I want to you know but I'm still young I want to enjoy life I want to fulfill myself and all that kind of thing and uh, I remember going through that there's some emotion sometimes just going on like that but um, I never really believed it <laughs> so they, uh, but they, they can be quite convincing. But this is where the, the that kind of determination to, uh, because sometimes it does seem bleak when you think about the deathless and the silence. So I don't rest my life was in the silence. And then when you think about it, it looks pretty bleak. But in terms of, uh, of experience, practice, it, it, uh, it, it will reflect, that, that is like a mirror that reflects the conditions in which you, more and more, the conditions lose their, their attractiveness, and their convincing quality. <coughs> Then you then you find a, a joy in this being, contented contentment. I how hard it, how difficult it, it, it has been for me to be content, because being content is emotionally I'm I'm not I'm not programmed for contentment. I'm programmed for, you know, this feeling of kind of restless. There's something more to do, something I should do. And uh, be content with the breath, with the body, with the silence, with the food you have, with the way it is. And then, and then the, you know how the mind will go and you think, Let's <laughs> fall on the carpet and <laughs> you'll find something to be to to clear the mind wants you want to fill it up with something or gossip, you know, the, you know what so and so's up to and oh really picture in my caravan of this old man. I've had it for years. He's sitting there with a coffee mug in his hand, looking out the window with the rain, and the rain coming down about like this. A very English scene with a kind of uh, Victorian uh, brick house with the 
to this window, sash window, and he's <laughs> looking out at the rain, kind of gently falling on the flowers in the garden outside the window. The old man with a big bushy mustache. And uh, well, somebody said that to me years ago, I think when I was still in Hampstead. And I've always liked that picture. You know, if I could just practice like that, just be content with my light coffee. Was <laughs> <laughs> it out the window? Was it the rain falling on the flowers? <laughs> and when we came here, through all the trials and tribulations of Amravati, you know, that picture brought me through so many times. And, you know, everybody was saying, "Oh, it's all falling apart, and it's going wrong." And then they get they wind you up, you know, and you get caught. Oh, God, I want to go up to my cave and go back to my room and look at the old man with the coffee mug. Send yourself a cup of coffee. Look out the window at the rain falling. talking in the last evening about purity, you know, to, uh, to really, you know, contemplate that as experience. And when you go into that silence and you're, you're, you're still, you're not in a trance, you're, you're not thinking, but you can use thought, you're not wandering in thought, so you can use thought to just contemplate it. To me, this is this is purity. When I hear the ringing silence, the mind is poised and attentive. I, there's no sense of a self, and there's no no. It, it's completely pure. There's nothing I can. There's no bad negative. There's no negativity. Worrying. The knowing, the knowing, the knowing, the purity is not I. Yeah. So then you then contemplate that, and then inform yourself. You need to to uh, to to really educate yourself with this wisdom and this purity. Because you use you, your habit is to see yourself only through the personality. And emotional, so you you don't you don't most people don't know their the, the purity their their natural purity they they still caught up in the with the impurities uh, of of their mind that they you know, they just it's not that they don't they they they're not pure it's just they don't realize it they don't know what it is and like when I'm pointing to this then you 
So you, you can contemplate it yourself. You get you get to know it. You get to to feel it and 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 be that. And then you begin to trust it. And then you then you're not so convinced that you are your emotional habits and your thoughts and your memories. Because <laughs> you've got something much more real and strong to rest in than say just thinking or or just uh, going along with the, with the, your, the uh, momentum of your habits. It's like, like a real refuge. You have a, something that's really, that's true and real and pure. That is always now. It's not like a dependent on, on, uh, on special things, refinements to, to have it. What but doing a retreat like this, it, it can, you know, it's uh, where you have this time to contemplate a lot. It's sometimes easier to, to recognize. And then, but then it's also when, when the retreat ends, you begin to also, you know, trust it even when you're in the midst of activities and, and uh, busy, busy things. When you mentioned this, this state of pravanga, what uh, difference is, for example, to if you are in awareness and you have the sound of silence as an object, and in which way is pravanga, for example, different? Because you also don't don't have any thoughts coming in or out. Yeah, well, you're getting through the uh, through the what like they call the the original mind. Is this like a dif- is this a different in presence of or in a different in awareness or where's the difference that you can decide I do this or I do that? I'm not sure myself, but but like like when when I how they use the word bamanga is so kind of different. People use it differently. Mm-hmm. But it you know, in the the um, but um so I'm 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 not sure of the meaning of that word because what I read in a dictionary doesn't doesn't resonate and uh, then you go into the like this uh, semi dream state but but this is not a but this pure awareness is not a it, it's still it's still awakened consciousness and it's in the silence. But is there less? Uh Mindfulness, then, in, in, for example, if you would be uh, meditating on the sound of silence, you are more present than if you are in yeah. yeah, you're, you're completely present. In this, in this, in this so-called pavanga state, whatever it is, you are not completely present. Well, well it's I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but in terms of what, how do they use it in Cambodia? There was a, a state where <coughs> the sound of silence just disappeared. And no thought come in, yeah. and you feel like you don't know where you are. You're not sitting yeah. somewhere. And in that moment, that pavanka is Because as long as right now, as long as I sit down and listen to the sound of silence, you can hear that, and there's so other other sounds come in. Yeah, yeah. not not yet. But when you reach, even this smell, like yesterday, I saw that. Like <coughs> incense, 
And if you smell that, you're innocent. But there was one time that no more smelling. All gone. And that's that. Go on. Yeah. And there's no more anything else. Mindfulness up about about that. You don't need that's a moment that just gone. Yeah. The sound of silence is no there, not not there. Then you come back after a while you come back and then the sound is there. You make it back. Yeah, it feels like rather like below in a way like you don't even hear that. You don't hear that sound of something anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's just only not not long. Just like in a dream state, yeah. the sound is you're you're in a kind of um, it's between. Awaken, awaken, and being awake and asleep, and then you drop into sleep where you're not conscious, you're not awake anymore. But also, if you fall asleep mindfully, then then you also are aware of, uh, like you can set your mind to get up at a certain time before you, you know. There's a there's a still a kind of there's still mindfulness operating, you know, that kind of, there's an, even though the, the body's in a, in a, in a sleep, in sleep consciousness, there's, it's not like you're, there's total unawareness, but you're not conscious in the, in the, in the, in the way that you are when you're awake. So that's like, you can, uh, like I could set my mind to get up at three o'clock in the morning, or, and it, Usually, you know, usually works. Or uh, there's something, you know, so, so something that, that is that when when you that knows even when 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 this body's asleep. But when you're when, when you're awake, then you're in this state of of uh, where the the personality operates, the condition process is is. Is comes into consciousness, and and then in that awakened state, you can also uh, realize that the deathless, the unconditioned, and then you, and you can recognize, you realize the conditioned is the conditioned, the unconditioned is the unconditioned, and this is where the like the the Bhutto is the awakened mind, human mind. So this. Is awakenness. Like you can go into trances where you, you know, you get you absorb into objects. But this this state that the Buddha is pointing to is 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 the Pūta and Pūpatban, who's who's awake and who's receptive and open in the present. So then, this is where you have the the insight that's in the awakened state. Then you can actually the discerning ability to discern the condition, the unconditioned, the time, timeless. So, so in, <coughs> to discern is like panya, using panya or wisdom, uh, sampajanya, clear comprehension. Sati Sampatanya, Sati Panya, 
or intuitive awareness. That the Buddha would never, because uh, you can only speculate, but you can see, you know, you wonder, uh, you know, uh, creation of the world, and you, think, you know, you look at the age of the dinosaurs, and you think, oh, they were, you know, they were blood curdling. Go to the uh, Natural History Museum in London, see all those. Dinosaurs and really huge monsters with teeth and, and uh, yeah, cold-blooded lizards on a monstrous size. Why would anyone? How did they get here? <laughs> did God create dinosaurs? He said, why? Why? Why did He create such horrible things? Uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> Uh, but uh, that's where your your mind is you know that when you try to think you are going back into the worldly worldly uh, conditioning which is which assumes the reality of time but when you're going into the step you're in a timeless there's a timelessness that's why the more you maintain that purity, it's like time disappears. You know, just like it's sitting there in the temple. That's what, that's what happened. Now it's where did it go? <laughs> you know, when you think of an hour, you think to me an hour still represents, you know, fairly reasonable chunk of time but it in terms of experience it, it, you know but if you're if you're really uh, like if you're doing something you don't like you're out in the cold and you're chipping paint uh, with the, in the freezing weather with uh, uh, chipping paint off a window frame out in the cold and, it, and the wind's blowing and you're cold and negative then an hour is is forever. <laughs> when is it going to end? <laughs> but the why is it that we? What is, what is so attractive about evil? You know, why, why is it such a... Why, why is it evil? Why do we get so excited? And, and uh, what is so compelling? And, and then you realize you've got... You do have these different 
kind of reptilian, maybe evolutionary conditions, uh, like they found the kind of cortex of the brain is the same as a reptile's, and you know we can, you know, reptilian kind of cold-bloodedness, and you notice like these these gangs, hell's angels, and that they, they try to they try to appear like reptiles, you know. Leather and, and kind of uh, <laughs> symbols of being cold-blooded and unfeeling. You know, like a like a crocodile can eat a eat a beautiful baby. You know, just not you know, <laughs> beautiful human baby. Just gobble it down. You know, that the slightest sense of of, uh, of compassion. And uh, and that's what sometimes these these tough gangs try to do, isn't it? To try to make themselves totally cold-blooded and with a kind of tough hide and uh, no feeling, uh, or it's demonic, or oftentimes reptilian symbols are they use for demon demonic uh, symbols, and then. Uh, there is a recently in Florida they they've sentenced a 17-year-old boy to die in the electric chair, and he he belongs to a vampire cult in America. Can you imagine, Steve, the Americans? <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Kentucky. And and he and his mother also, I think, was in this cult. And he, he and a and a fifteen-year-old girl uh, told him that that she hated her parents and wanted them to die. So he went to Florida and bludgeoned her mother and father to death. Uh, and, uh, and then she said, "Well, I didn't really mean it." <laughs> <laughs> But then there's, and they're going to they're going to execute this boy. But you know what I think is um, demonic in itself because honestly this this kid uh, you know doesn't know what he's doing and he, and, he, and and you let those forces take you over you know they they're, uh, that's why you know like Sila is a is a protection. Punchest five precepts is a protection from things like that, so that you you have uh, you know the, like that's a protection against say lower realms or influences, evil influences. So, uh, so but if you don't have the five precepts as a standard, then you can be pulled into the exciting kind of evil practice like vamp, freaking blood. It, it's now. There's these vampire cults in in Europe also, where people drink each other's blood. You know, why I don't? Why would they want to drink each other's blood? I don't know, but it must be you know kind of exciting to do something so perverse. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, what, why why would people be inclined to do that? And and you realize that one thing when with evil forces or or sexual tendencies right? you get you get very you get it's so strong that that the mind 
becomes completely absorbed in those vibrations and uh, where so much of life is dreary you know if you're just an ordinary person you know working family and and uh, the living in some place in London or whatever Birmingham you know it can be so boring and dreary and uh, that uh, these other are like evil does have this kind of exciting uh, kind of mesmerizing ability so this is why why to keep to keep the seal out is it sounds pretty boring compared to say uh, going to these kind of meetings where you're doing exciting things and forbidden things and violent things and sexual things and it's all very uh you know, uh, you're completely kind of held in that. But uh, it also leads to, you know, on to uh, violent action and and uh, a lower lower rebirth. So then, in, say in monastic life, there's like the, the 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 standard of moral commitment is high. And, and then the, the practice is not just to refine, become refined, but it's to to uh, <coughs> awaken, and and that's a whole new, whole new uh, uh, experience for most people, because you really, you know, I found like like in before I meditated, when I was uh, still a lay person and I was in my late twenties I was my, my character had been pretty well formed by then and and it was uh, and I was really uh, quite unhappy you know just having to to think of living the rest of my life with the conditioning that I have was not you know I didn't it just seemed so dreary uh, and just to have these heavy thoughts and these kind of these uh, and immature emotions still operating you know still still uh, influencing your experience all the time this is an incredible self-consciousness that, that just made life always that uh, you always felt you know, you were people were always looking at you, criticizing you in some way. So, this this seemed like a, you know either you need to go to a psychotherapist or a psychoanalyst or or do something about it. But my my faith was in the Buddhism. Then the then the monastic light allowed me to to get some perspective on my conditioning. And and to live to be free to free myself from the, the power and impact of my habit. So this this is this you can do. But why? How we get? You know, we get born into the families that we're born into. I don't know why. You choose your own parents before you're born. Well, well, I didn't do too bad. I chose pretty good parents. <laughs> <laughs> but still, it was uh, 
Yeah. Well, that's like a lot. Well, also now I look at the devil and all these as like, uh, like, like, like you. They will never let you. I mean, you can become rich and wealthy, and wealthy and and uh, successful, and uh, get ev- happy and everything, but you still suffer until you're enlightened. Because the evil of the devil won't let you rest until you're perfectly enlightened. <laughs> Look at it like that. Actually, he's a, he's a friend. Um, yesterday evening when we were talking of sin and that we just have this kind of innate assumption that we're sinning and that we, we just inherit from a kind of a Christian culture. And I remember reading um, Brother David Stendhal Vance, who going to um, the, the word sin in its original form, the word we translate as sin, and the root of that, meaning to, to miss the mark, means to miss the mark. Yeah. And I remember hearing Dukkha being translated as, as it in Pali we use um, not words so much in the way we but can use images to relate the meaning of the word. And the image that was used to, um, to present Dukkha was of an axle that was missing, missing the wheel. The wheel was turning and the axle just missed the wheel. And that our state is just, just, just not. And then it relates just in time to sin. And we have this idea that sin is evil and wrongdoing. And, and that to, to have sin presented that way, which is entirely uncalled kind of Buddhist teaching, it's just missing. And the whole the kind of creation myth of the Garden of Eden, where it's, it's desire and just the dualistic state that causes the fall, and then how we become self-conscious and conscious of the bodies and divorced from the garden of Eden and the creatures because it was desire that created that kind of dualism. They're, they're really strong powers, and they're all about now, just the, right. the kind of the mindset now. Because uh you, know, you can put sin for the first noble truth and it and it follows it causes the cessation of work yeah. <laughs> instead of dukkha you can use uh, sin and to recognize that I'm a, just a sinner it's just so such a relief <laughs> that I'm not speaking it's just yeah that I'm just sin and the ignorant and the doer that can't be the other way. And I was reading about reading the plan of unknown, he's that quite a lot of talking about, oh, I'm just a wretched sinner. And I used to read that when I was a child, or, or hear about you wretched. And the church just went way over the top on that, you wretched, little miserable. 
but just the, the wretchedness, because it feels like that, and just feel kind of wretched, but wretched has a kind of delight in it. I remember just before I ordained, I was up in uh, Luang Prabang in Laos, and I on a holiday, and I and I uh, I met an English doctor, medical doctor, in his restaurant, and uh, and his wife, and they just had a baby, and they were working in Luang Prabang, and, and uh, so I, you know, we were having. Uh, meal together and so I said uh, you know I'm, I'm planning to become a Buddhist monk and then, and then suddenly you know, the, the wife just suddenly stopped she's horrified at this and then she, she gave the baby to her husband she stood up she gave me a testimonial for Jesus Christ in this restaurant and she she went on about how you know what a wretched sinner she is and how terrible she is and uh, she, she just seemed to but the more she said it the more delighted she seemed you know, she's like I'm so horrible and wretched and I'm not worthy and, and uh, she said I just hope that when I die God will, will accept me into heaven you know I just hope and she seemed to not find that depressing but she's getting hard to kite off her <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know, I don't think you're all that bad. <laughs> you don't seem like you're that bad a person. She, she, she kind of loved to see <laughs> And she thought Buddhism was the totally wrong thing, you know, totally deluded religion I remember just watching the press with, this, with her kind of histrionic presentation well, I hope I don't mind you of that <laughs> <laughs> I don't think God's going to say that <laughs> <laughs> it's just a relief when you know, it's the recognition that like the word sin has become so personal and uh, where dukkha is never content with anything the desire is the opposite of contentment so when you're caught in desire then you're always thinking there's something wrong something you've got to do better it could get better you've got to get rid of these things uh, the bad things and so forth so desire always has this energy of pulling out you know of uh, getting caught up 
contentment is ability to, you know, one who uh, finds uh, peace within and reveals gratitude. Like for alms mendicants, we have the four requisites. Gratitude for the robes, for the for the uh, shelter, for the food, for the medicine. And to develop gratitude, you have to contemplate it. You know, it doesn't. If you if we're used to desire, so desire is you know, it's what we generally <coughs> relate to in life. <coughs> gratitude is more like a polite thank you uh, for something. But but um, this katanya gatuweti is like a really. Uh, contemplating you know the goodness of your life the goodness of other people the, the good things that they do for you rather than dwelling on what's wrong or the things you don't like about other people <clears throat> so like like gratitude to parents isn't it it's you, you, you contemplate the good things they've done for you, where Western people tend to contemplate the bad things they've done to us. So that we think, mother did this, father did that. And, they, but, uh, and that's not to deny, we're not denying the faults and unfairness that we experience, but but Katanya uh, Gatavati depends on a, on a determination to contemplate the good side of it too. So it, it's a uh, you start thinking, well, yeah, my father worked hard just to support me so I could have a nice home and clothes and. Go to university and work the profession he never liked, and, uh, and I thought, you know, the, he never beat me up or anything. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't exactly warm and friendly, but <laughs> he didn't, didn't bash me about. I think on to play these these kind of uh, good qualities, and then uh, for for us here, we're living on alms, then you you know you contemplate this the the, the, the goodness of people coming and offering food and offering money to pay the bills, the electric bill and. Uh, gas and all the telephone and all this so you know <coughs> this, this incredible generosity that's extended to us contemplate that so you're quite intentionally de- developing the, the I mean you're not to ignore the resentments you might feel or the Injustices, because that's also part of the practice. But uh, to develop a spiritual quality to your life, then this gratitude is uh, is very important to that.
and contentment. Then in the <coughs> Western society, with welfare states and all that, we, we develop the, the whinging mind. You know, we always want more and uh, complain. So, so in uh, you know, we always think that they could do more for the people and be better. So, contentment is is also a quality that, uh, that appreciates just having, uh, you know, just living in a place where, where they don't persecute you, or they is a stable government, fairly, uh, you know, stable and well-run society, and they are there's no religious persecution and things like this. Uh, you know, contentment with the uh, with what we have, with the <clears throat> what is available, and then this this helps too. If you if you contemplate that, then it, it brings a lot of peace, and it and it also it helps to reflect this kind of this kind of aggressive, outgoing tendency we have, this obsessiveness, always wanting to make things better and to improve to. To um, change, to get restless, and, and we could always see how things could be done in a better way, or more efficient, or or uh, this kind of thinking, you know, is it tends to take us over because it always seems so urgent and important. Of course, gratitude and contentment aren't qualities that would uh, that are particularly popular in a materialistic society. It makes you want to be that makes you want to be discontented, isn't that? You should you should not be content with what you have. You should always aim for getting and making everything better. You know, work hard, spend your money to always improve everything. Is how the materialist, the, the capitalist system works. Uh, that's the, the way the world is. But now they it's sort of spiritual development. It's different. You know, it's almost the the opposite of worldly uh, worldly endeavors. Like in the, like <coughs> to to win in the world, you have to you know you have to be an achiever. You have to be Clever, you have to be, uh, you know, aggressive, and you have to want to attain things and be and not be content with what you have, but always think up something new, something better, better way of running the country, better way of doing this. You know, new inventions, new styles, new trends, new everything, and uh, that's the. The attainment mind, the mind that always thinks of, of getting, of attaining, achieving, 
So then you talk, I mean, that's how most of us are socially conditioned in that, in that way. And the spiritual life is the opposite, isn't it? It's not an achievement to achieve Nibbana, achieve enlightenment. That's giving the wrong message. To me, it doesn't make sense. You achieve enlightenment, you know, like, maybe you can buy it at Harrods. <laughs> Tesco's, maybe. <laughs> you, you, you attain, you know, if you really work hard and you really, uh, you know, really give it your all and, and, uh, and you're clever enough, then you'll attain it. You'll get it. Like a PhD or something. That means you'll be higher than everyone else. You know, your PhD to show that you're going to, some way, a little more superior to the average person. It's kind of sense of a self and, and attainment and hierarchical uh, structures that make us always look upward and then feel always uh, inferior in terms of where you know, how we think we are. Spiritual life is, uh, you know, like, like the alms mendicant, like bhikkhu, like a one who depends on alms. 